Fútbol América. Live and underway. En vivo y en directo. From Doha, capital of Qatar. The World Cup is now underway and we are less than 24 hours from the United States kicking off against Wales. Alongside Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebastian Salazar. Great to have you with us live here on ESPN+. Herc, as always, a pleasure to be with you. Is it? Yeah, today. We're only into, what, day show two of... 31. I think yeah. we're still getting along, right? Yeah, I've not seen you all day, so yeah. it's been awesome. <laughs> I know, right? They made the very smart decision here to not only not put us as roommates, they literally put a bay you have uh, a roommate. in between us. I do. Oh, you don't? <laughs> wow. He has a roommate. Somebody is big time. I want to get that uh, Hercules Gomez contract. All right, uh, speaking of What big time, uh, we have a lot, <laughs> a lot to get to uh, on today's show. Of course, we're going to be reacting to uh, Qatar against Ecuador, the, the World Cup opener that y'all just witnessed. We have a very special guest, Chris Coleman, former manager of... Uh, of Wales, took him to the semifinals, 2016 Euros. He was also on ESPN's Airwaves during the last European Championship. Best thing about that. Yes, yes. yes. Definitely, definitely not, not the you. host. Not definitely you. not the host. Um, okay, so uh, obviously we'll have him to help us preview the U.S. against Wales, and Juan Carlos Osorio will be uh, with us as well as we continue the build-up to Mexico against Poland on Tuesday. But let's start, Herc, with the big news out of the U.S. camp uh, today, and it was actually out of the U.S. press conference, and that is that this American team now has its captain, Greg Berhalter, confirming that Tyler Adams will wear the armband throughout the World Cup. With the announcement, Adams will become the youngest U.S. World Cup captain since, get this, Herc, Walter Barr, the great Walter Barr, back in 1950. On top of that, he'll also be the youngest of all 32 captains at this World Cup. Here's coach and newly minted captain with more. Yes, Tyler will be the captain for the World Cup. Um, you know, it was something where for the last three and a half years we've been working with a leadership council and we're very open and we asked them, hey, what do you guys want to do for the World Cup? And they thought it'd be better to have a, a captain named for the World Cup. And, um, you know, we're proud to announce Tyler as the captain for the World Cup. It's a, it's a huge honor for me, obviously, to, to be named captain of, of this team. Obviously a, a very young team, but um, a lot of credit to, to my teammates because anyone uh, throughout our leadership council can wear that armband and represent us with pride and um, represent us in the right way. So, yeah, I, I'm obviously representing us for this, this World Cup, but there's a bunch of guys in the team in our leadership council, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney. Aaron Long, the list goes on and on and on. So um, we've established that we all lead in, in different ways so that any, anyone can represent us on any given day and represent us well. And here are the numbers that back up the comments from U.S. Captain Tyler Adams. Of course, it's been a rotating captaincy throughout Greg Berhalter's tenure. Uh, Herc, you've been a longtime fan of Tyler Adams. Are you cool with this final decision here at the 2022 World Cup? It's the only right decision. It's the only correct decision. Man, I remember back when the pandemic started, interviewed Tyler Adams, just a regular YouTube thing, mm -hmm. little Zoom interview with them. He was two years younger, a lot greener, with the same mindset. Mm -hmm. I want to be the captain of the U.S. men's national team. And in that same breath, I want to win a World Cup in 2026. The man knows who he is, knows what he wants, knows what he's about. He holds people accountable. This leadership council, it's cute, Greg. <laughs> you don't like it? It's terrible. Why? Just pick a captain. It's not they decided, it's FIFA decided. So you had to come up with a captain. That's the way it went. How'd you And guys do it back in your day? You, you, you feel who the captain is. I mean, you already know it. You know it deep hey, down. Hey, but at some point, somebody has to choose who actually wears the armband. Is Great. it the players or is it the coach? It's the coach. Always for you been the coach. Always the coach. Every locker Make you've been in? Make the decision. In? Well, because the coach feels it too. Mm -hmm. Very rarely do you get it wrong, or should they get it wrong. It's not that type of situation. Everybody knows who the leader is, who the alpha, if you will. Tyler's the alpha. Yeah. In that locker room. Yeah, it's obvious, right? I don't think anybody would question the choice of Tyler Adams or in any way suggest that it was a bad choice. There's so many, like, anecdotes about this kid, right? Being a teenager, rolling into New York Red Bulls, not just leading that team, but there's a lot of anecdotes of him actually, like, standing up to older guys and really proving. I asked him about it. Yeah, just what like, a leader it, he is. He's like, it's my responsibility. 
They can't let each but other that's down. that's not they common for a teenager, down. right? He was 19 yeah. when he was acting this way at Red Bull. You know how crazy that is? Yeah. He's just different. He's wired differently. It just makes sense for him to be the captain. The youngest captain, mm -hmm. by the way, in the World Cup. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. That is insane. I, my, uh, Congratulations. My always, like, uh, Tyler Adams anecdote is actually from maybe five years ago when he played in the under-20 World Cup. And if you'll remember, that was a time when, even before COVID, like empty stadiums were a thing. So you could hear everything that was being said on the field. And I think, I forget who they were playing, but it was like the second game of the group phase. And it was fourth minute of the game. And he was cursing out his own players because they weren't moving quickly enough to get to a ball that had gone out of bounds and throw it back in and put it in play. Right. And I was like, whoa, almost too intense, but I loved it. I just loved that from Tyler yeah, Adams. I, I think my personal favorite is when we were playing a preseason game. Uh, my last year of being a professional right. uh, in Orlando, New York versus Toronto. Uh, I did that preseason with Toronto, and he told me to F off. <laughs> not was. the first, not the last. To oh, be fair. Definitely was the last. <laughs> uh, well, yes, uh, as, as an active player. Uh, the other question here, I guess, surrounds like Christian Pulisic, right? Uh, a player who carries the nickname Captain America. But beyond that, Greg Berhalter has given the captain's armband to uh, in the past. You've seen the commercials with Christian Pulisic. Pressure, 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 pressure. Do you think somehow maybe not having the captain's armband is actually a good thing for Pulisic yeah. in this tournament? Weight off his shoulders. He reminds me so much of Landon Donovan. Mm -hmm. So much. In his demeanor, how soft-spoken he is, Landon didn't always want to be the captain. Yeah. Landon sometimes shifted in and out of games. He would hide a bit, you know. He would tell you that himself. Sometimes the pressure got to him. One of the greatest products the U.S. has ever put out. The poster boy for U.S. soccer in his generation, without a doubt. But that didn't make you a leader. That didn't yeah. make you a captain. He will tell you that himself. When Landon was around, who were the captains? Bocanegra. Bocanegra. For a long Carlos time, Carlos Bocanegra. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was Tim Howard. You know you, you know who those captains are. Not always but, the best player. But not always the best player. But they said it. Each one leads in different ways. Yeah. Weston McKinney, Christian Pulisic, they're leaders in different ways. All right, so the uh, captaincy decision was uh, announced at Sunday's press conference. But actually, there was a very curious moment, Herc, at Saturday's press conference mm. for the United States. I don't know if you caught this. It was between Serginho Dest and Weston McKinney. Let's check it out. I don't know. I think we we just have to look like at the you know the style how we play. You know, of course, um, you know Wills play. Um, we are of course like prepared. You know how Wills play, but um, you know we have our own vision, and I think uh, we're always working on high press, and uh, you know make sure that hey, Michael. One second. Of course, you know, we know as well that, uh, you know, Wills like to go forward a lot, you know, so there will be spaces behind and I think we can take like an advantage of that, you know, especially from the sides and um, whoever plays, you know, in that position right or left back can, you know, has a lot of space. So I think uh, we can definitely take a big advantage of that and use it as scoring uh, um, possibilities. All right, so the uh, question there, obviously, about tactics. You've been in those situations. Explain to me what was going on there. Is he not trying to give away too much? That's exactly what it was. Yeah. He, he caught himself almost giving away maybe a key player who's going to play. Mm -hmm. And I think it was at the nine position of who's in that nine position, being able to drag those center backs out to take advantage of the space in behind. I think that's what he was almost getting to or leading to. And then he caught himself. But then he stopped short of giving away that there could be a change, not only a right back in yeah. his position that's right now in question, but left back. Because yeah. we know Anthony Robinson has been playing on one ankle all season at Fulham. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got a bum ankle and he's been playing on it. So maybe there's two question marks there. He tried not to give us something away, <laughs> yeah. but then he gave something away. But this is common. And also, he caught himself, yeah. uh, you know, which is... Fair yeah. for him to ask, you know, Weston. Sure. And also you hear him ask Michael. He's talking about Michael Cameron, who's Cameron. the U.S. press officer, right? So Correct. really leaning in for some help there. It's not the first time that we've seen Herc the U.S. be coy throughout this process. I don't know if you saw uh, Grant Wall was asking Tim Weah about the possibility of him playing as a, a right wing back because he's been doing that a little bit. No, 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 no. As a nine. Oh, I thought it was as a right wing no. back because that's what he'd been playing back at no. Leo. But what was what was Wea's response, whichever one it was? You should he ask says Greg. you should ask Greg. Greg. Greg should be the one talking yeah, about that. And that this. was as a nine, so that's interesting, especially when you consider that teams like Wales, mm -hmm. Burhalter, 
in this U.S. men's national team anticipate there being space in behind. So if there's space in behind, logically you would assume, well, who could exploit this space? Mm -hmm. A faster player. So maybe there is something there between the two, between Serginho Dest, between Timothy Weah. Maybe there's a surprise or two. It wouldn't be the first time. Does it matter? Like, do coaches pay attention to other press conferences? Have you ever been in a locker room or on a team where you guys got a valuable detail from your opponents? Of course. Really? Of course. There's some teams who... And we were going to have Juan Carlos Osorio so we could ask him, right? Mm -hmm. But there's some teams who want to get cute and they will just, not even cute, they just think they're better. Right. So there's. Too we're honest. Gonna, we're yeah. going to worry about ourselves, right. not the offense. And we'll tell this you is what how we're we do. play. Yeah. They got to worry about us. And that's a great advantage when you're the underdog, mm -hmm. when you know what's coming. That's a great advantage. So one of the things about this team is just how young they are. When we say young, I think we also kind of mean inexperienced. Of course. This could have been one of those moments where you make a mistake, but both with Tim Weah and with Sergio Dest, it seems like, you know, they caught themselves before they let the cat yeah. too far out of the bag. So um, I guess just the point here is that even though they're young, they haven't fallen into the, into the mistakes or the traps that you might think a young uh, team they might. They fell on a few traps. I mean, you already know they're, you already know they're trying to take advantage of the space that's going to be. I mean, they play a five-man back line, Wells, you know, three center backs. So you already know they're going to try to take advantage of the space. Where will they take advantage of the space? He pretty much started saying the outside backs would have that advantage. So they're going to exploit those outside backs. Whoever's playing on the left-hand side, whether it's Anthony Robinson, whoever's playing on the right, whether it's uh, Serginho Dest or a Yedlin, mm -hmm. will have that space to operate because he just gave away that Greg Berhalter will allow them that space to fly up and down. All right, well, we're not going to give away Greg Berhalter's 11 here on Football Americas, but what we are going to do is give away Hercules Gomez, best U.S. men's national ahead, team 11 against Wales. So why don't you walk us through this lineup, Herc? Because there are some big decisions that Greg Burhalter, yeah. i.e. you, had yeah, to make. I was stressing over who's that goalkeeper. No, you weren't. No, no. <laughs> it's Matt Turner. Matt Turner will be in goal. Uh, assuming health, okay? Yes. I go Serginho Dest on the right. I go Walker Zimmerman. And I'm going to go Tim Ream. Tim Ream's wow. very familiar with this type of player, the player that Wales happens to have that right. set up a play. And I think Greg Berhalter actually values that, that a And lot. he mentioned that in, of our, course. in our roster. And who does show, team, right? Tim Ream know very well and happens to be one of the most important players for the national team? Yeah, the left it, back. Anthony Robinson. And then it's going to be Tyler Adams anchoring that back line right there as that as that six, that defensive midfielder with the two mainstays, that MMA midfield, uh, Eunice Musa, Weston McKinney. Eunice Musa is going to be very important in this game because he, you saw it versus Japan. The inability to go from A to B to C was missing because a player like Eunice wasn't there. He drives the ball. He's so technical. He's so brave in the way he approaches that midfield. He will be vital up top. Uh, I'm going to go with Christian Pulisic, obviously. No doubt. On the left-hand side, he's going to be your best player. Uh, I'm going to go with Aronson. Okay. Okay. No Timothy Weah because I'm still doubt about Timothy okay. Weah's just capacity. getting healthy, yeah. right? And also Timothy Weah can be such an impact player coming off the bench with that tired back line, if you will, taking advantage of that space and those tired legs. And Josh Sargent, when I spoke to Greg Berhalter, he mentioned how Josh Sargent is the hybrid profile of a Fer Fer excuse me Ferreira and of a um, Haji Wright. So I would go with Josh Sargent in that nine position, a player who's very familiar playing that type of player that they have, championship players, Premier League players, a player that's physical, a player that's technical, a player that has good speed, a player that has a very good IQ on him, footballing IQ, and an honest work rate. So you know on both ends of the ball, you're going to get something out of him. I think he offers the best of both worlds, and I think this is the perfect game for a Josh Sargent. Do you need a goal out of him? Absolutely. Really? Well, just in because general. all we talk about Josh Sargent, and he is scoring right now in the championship for Norwich, is about how he brings others into play. There's a lot of firepower around him if you're Can putting Polisic and Aronson Can on, I be honest? on them wings. I, I, don't, I don't really see – I mean, you need a goal out of your nine always. Absolutely. Yes, get a goal out of You'll your nine. You'll take it. Do you need it? You need a goal out of anybody. And I think this game is a 1-0 game. It's got written all over mm -hmm. for me. Do hey. you think he's the most likely to score? No, I don't. Okay. No, I don't. Who is? Uh, Walker's in the Monopoly. Ah, really? I think it's going to be okay. a set piece. Uh, all right. I think it's, I think it's, it's going to be such a KG match. I think the U.S. will have a, a few opportunities in transition. They'll get a scare from Wells, and then those nerves will kick in because they got that scare from Wells, and I think it'll be decided on something like a set piece or something very sloppy. Um, but I, I, I do feel... Um, that if the nines, any nine, mm -hmm. has the best opportunity in this game to get a goal, it is Josh Sargent. If there's a position that's extremely deep on this team, where Greg Berhalter has that like good problem of a lot of choices, it is kind of those wide yes. attacking players. Polisic, no doubt. Of course. Um, was there any doubt on Aronson? Like, what goes into that for you? 
uh, Weston McKinney's health. Okay. Yeah. So, so what? So what happens if, if Weston McKinney, because he has a doubt, if he can't go, what do you do with Brendan Aronson? You, you're moving him? I'm moving him to that eight position because, wow, okay. because of something that Greg Berhalter and the U.S. Men's National Team mentioned to the press earlier this week about the blueprint being that Wells game. I'm sorry, the, the Morocco game, uh, uh, maybe like a month ago. Who played in that midfield, by the way? It was Brendan Aronson. And you remember that long ball off the great movement from Christian Pulisic, the way Christian Pulisic brings that ball down, yep. Walker Zimmerman, and then slides it over. There you go. That's the one. Look at that. My producer's on cue. <laughs> that's the one right there. That's the run out of midfield. That's the uh -huh. work rate. That's what you see as Brendan Anderson as an eight. And depending on Weston McKinney's health, that'll factor in if it's him going to that eight position and a Timothy Weah sliding in up top. But you're right because I didn't even mention the guy with the highest ceiling of them all. Mm hmm Giovanni Reina. But you're bringing him off the bench, right? <laughs> He's of first off the bench or second or at the same time as Weah? Because I guess it depends that's on game the game. That's a decision. Right. Yes. But if you're down, like, you got so much firepower on that bench. You, you, have, to be Problem you have to be careful with that firepower Why? on that bench. Um, you don't want to put yourself in a position where you're, you're forgetting about when you attack, how to defend. This is a World Cup, and, and one moment – one instant, one lapse of judgment right back down your throat. So you have to be very careful. Giovanni Reina is one of the most talented players the highest seen that the U.S. Men's National Team have. And he's also, in my eyes in this game, a break in case of emergency, break glass right. in case of emergency type of player. But you want that talent on the field. Uh, uh, all right, so the, uh, the big decisions, obviously, your striker, uh, your center back, you've gone with Reem. Uh, but Weston McKinney is starting for you. It's just such an important piece of this team, isn't he? Yeah, he's contagious. Yeah. In when the you best said Walker Zimmerman was your most likely to score, I actually think it's Weston McKinney. Could be, because his track record has shown it. Big, in World not Cup just qualifying, set pieces, but big moments, right? Big moments, yeah. big goals. You saw it in, in World Cup qualifying goal against Mexico. You saw it in the CONCACAF Nations League final goal against Mexico. He's of that cloth. He's got that air for the dramatic in him. He's that type of gamer. Uh, he's a player that is multifaceted in the way he can be dangerous for you in front of goal. Set pieces, arriving late from the box, mm -hmm. contagious work rate, uh, good on the ball. Um, the type of player that can hold other players accountable without even saying a word. Right. Because you see him. It's contagious. Uh, one more thing here. I think we have to address Tim Ream being in your starting lineup specifically. Yeah. It's a guy you have hammered and thought kind of wasn't ready for this. My, how the tables have turned. You want to do a mea culpa the, to Tim Ream? The turntables. The turns have tabled. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no mea culpa. You, you always say something that, that's very true. Uh, circumstances change. Mm -hmm. Opinions yeah. change. Uh, given that Miles Robinson, not in this World Cup. Yeah. Given that Chris Richards, but, uh, but not you, in this World I don't Cup. Want, you can't just say he's here because other guys aren't because of well, the Well, he fall. is. He is here because of the other but guys are But playing in the Premier League, playing next to Anthony Robinson, those are, those are critical I'm factors. Giving him his, I'm giving him his flowers. But he is here because other guys aren't. That's okay. Mm -hmm. That is an okay thing. Who cares how you get to the World Cup as long as you get to the World Cup? I got to the World Cup because Charlie Davies had an unfortunate incident because yep. Edson, I'm sorry, because uh, Brian Ching didn't make the team, because Eddie Johnson didn't make the team, because Connor Casey, who helped the U.S. Men's National Team, you know, didn't make the team. I made the team. I didn't right. care. Right. He won't care. He's here. 35 years, 35 or 36? 35, 36 yeah. years of age. He's the best uh, center back at playing out of the back. And he happens to have a very solid relationship with Anthony Robinson on the left-hand side. It just makes sense because you almost feel like they will have more of the ball than Wells. I mean, that's the, that's the feeling we're getting. They'll have yeah. a lion's share of that ball. Well, you want somebody who's going to be able to take care of that ball who's good with the ball at his feet. That's Tim Ream. Yeah. Not only is he good with his feet, but he has critically that... that left-footed center back, right, which yeah. allows you to kind of build up in, in a yeah. different way. Who was a left-footed center back for were the U.S. Men's National Team back what? in the day? I mean, back in the day is a long time. Who are you thinking Greg of? Greg Barhalter. There it is. Okay. Um, all right. Well, enough on the United States. Time to turn our attention now to tomorrow's opponent, Wales, who are into the World Cup for the first time in 64 years. But before... Uh, but before we get to that, here's a uh, look at the battle for the number nine spot. Uh, Josh Sargent, Haji Wright, Jesus Ferreira. Oh, and I guess we're including Jordan Morris uh, in the list as well as a potential number nine for Greg Berhalter. He's played there before. Against Wales tomorrow. You want to get people angry? Go ahead. He's played there.
USA and Wales, less than 24 hours from kicking off, and we are thrilled to welcome into Football Americas Chris Coleman. He was the manager of Wales when they went to the semifinals of the 2016 European Championships, and our ESPN viewers will remember him from the last European Championships when he came over to, over, uh, to Connecticut for a month to work with us. Cookie, we had some good times in Bristol, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, let's, let's keep that on the down low, Seb. <laughs> perfect, perfect. All right, well, give us a, a kind of big picture idea of what's going on uh, back home for you. This is the first World Cup for Wales since 1958. Uh, how big a deal is it, and what are kind of the expectations around this team? Well, it's a huge deal. It's something that we've been chasing for a long, long time, of course. We were chasing big tournaments for a long time, and then we got two European tournaments under our belt. Um, but it was the World Cup was the elusive one, and now we've got it. Um, so there's a lot of excitement. Um, we're going into this tournament um, with with expectations, I think, of escaping the group. But we have to understand we're in with very good company. Obviously, England, we can speak about England. Iran will have something to say. But it's United States, I think. I know coming into the, the tournament, the last three games, offensively, they struggled a bit. But they're, I think they're an exciting team. This is as good of a, a U.S. squad as I've seen. And I think if they start playing like they can play, you know, the USA uh, could have a good tournament. So we know... Before we kick a ball, we're up against a very good team. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Seb, you want to talk about an exciting team. Mm -hmm. How about that Wales team in the 2016 Euros? Yes. They made it to the semifinal. So, Chris, I got to ask you, how would you compare that Wales team that made it to the semis of that Euros in 2016 to this Wales team about to play in this World Cup? Yeah, it's a good question. Really good question. I, well, we had a, a younger Gareth Bale, a younger Anna Ramsey, a younger Joe Allen. Three players that are so important to, to this Welsh this Welsh football team. Um, and these guys will be without Joe Allen for, for the first game against USA. But I would imagine Bale and Ramsey will have a lot to say. So we'll be relying heavily on that experience. But my team in 2016 is a, is a different team to the team we have now with Robert Page. Uh, predominantly different faces, younger players. Um, and I think... We, we talk about formations a lot, don't we, as coaches and as pundits. Um, but I think, you know, formations don't win games. It's, it's football players, human beings win games. And if you've got, if you've got them in a, in a good headspace going into any challenge, you've always got a chance. So, I, to be honest, this new Welsh crop of players, most I don't know personally. I obviously know about them from a distance. What I do know, the players they've got, Wayne Hennessy, Chris Gunter, Ben Davis. We always talk about Ramsey and Bale, and rightly so, but don't forget these other guys who have been there a long time. They've got a lot to say in the dressing room. They know what the country expects. Um, 
and they'll be very important going into this tournament for us. It's obviously not just Gareth Bale on this team, but coach, let's focus in on Gareth Bale. Uh, how different is 2022 Gareth Bale compared to the 2016 Gareth Bale that took you guys all the way to the semifinals? Yeah, for sure, it is a different Gareth Bale because in 2016, he was more dynamic. Uh, you know, like any player, as you get older, you start slowing down a little bit. Um, he's had his problems with injuries. He's playing less football now. But I think this could be a positive for us going into the tournament. Maybe he's fresh with his experience. We know with his technique uh, and with the way he plays football, you know, in a five or ten minute spell, he's the type of player that can turn the game on its head. Having done nothing in the game, having been out of the game in five or ten minutes, or in a minute actually, it takes one instance with a player of his ability. He can turn the game on its head. Uh, and, OK, he's not where he was six or seven years ago. Most players aren't at his age. But his experience, his personality and his, his calmness also going into these big games, he's going to be huge again in this tournament for Wales. You being a former manager, Chris, if, if you had to point out a biggest worry uh, for Wales in this tournament, your biggest area of concern, what would it be for you? In, in, in this game against USA or in the tournament? Both, yeah. Both? I think against USA, I think if they get into their stride uh, and start... I watched the friendly against Wales, I think it was a year or maybe 18 months ago. It was a 0-0. It was a zero -zero. We played in Wales, but the US were very impressive. They played some great football. Very exciting through midfield and in the offensive areas. And we really, we came away with it with, with, with a draw and we were lucky because America played very, very well. If they get into their stride, and they, you know, they they, they play a, a, lovely, a lovely short game and they're, they're offensively very aggressive, when they're at their best. I know the last two or three games they haven't been, but if they get into their stride, we could have problems. Um, we, the way we set up, I think Rob will probably be more defensive, uh, maybe obviously definitely three at the back, but that could turn into a 5-4-1, depending on what shape he plays through the midfield, whether he plays with two holders and two number 10s. And if he does that, then without the ball, those two number 10s will, will slot into the wide areas. It becomes a 5-4-1. And we'll see that early doors. And if that's what happens, that's because he's wary of, of America uh, in the offensive uh, parts of the game. Because I, I was looking at the squad, the USA squad, and I think it's 15 or 16 players all playing in the top leagues around the world. Uh, and that's really impressive. I mean, we've got 11 or 12 players, but you look at this American squad, and, and if they kick into gear, I, like I said earlier, I think they, they may have something to say in this World Cup. So we know that going into the game. What we've got is players with a lot of experience. We've got four, five, six players with a lot of tournament experience, a lot of big game experience. And you need that. Believe me, you need that because tournament football is unlike anything else. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
There he is, Chris Coleman, former manager of Wales. Took him to the semi-finals back at the 2016 European Championships. Cookie, great to have you with us. I was always hoping you'd get a job in MLS. I know you're doing well over there in Greece, but when you want to come back to Major League <laughs> Soccer, you just let Herc and Seb know. We'll pull you, you the go. strings, okay? <laughs> and it's, yeah, let me know. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> There he is, Chris Coleman. Uh, great to have him with us here on Football Americas. Once again, the uh, former manager of the Wales national team. All right, Herc, so here's the comparison between what the odds makers and computers are saying about tomorrow's matchups. And how about this? Both agree that the USA are favorites, Wales underdogs, ahead of Monday's showdown at Al Rayan Stadium. Mexico training on Saturday ahead of Tuesday's showdown against Poland. First 15 minutes were open to the press. And our colleague over at Fox, Rodolfo Landero, shot this video. You can see Raul Jimenez there participating in the rondo or possession drills. Appears to be struggling a little bit. Of course, we know he's been fighting that groin injury for the better part of the last three months. For more on this and the Mexican national team at large, pleasure to welcome into the show, fighting the wind, El Profe Juan Carlos Osorio, who actually uh, hustled over. Uh, missing the last 20 minutes of Qatar against Ecuador. Don't worry. I run. You I didn't, run I sprint <laughs> you didn't miss much. Out. No, uh, <laughs> you didn't miss much. All right, so uh, let's talk about Raul. And I want to put it, uh, Profe, in the context of Karim Benzema. No, because we just saw the France superstar striker have an injury and pull himself out of the tournament. Say, I'm not good enough to be here. Let me give my spot to someone else. Raul Jimenez obviously hasn't done that. At the end of the day, whose decision is that? Who is responsible? Is it the player to say, I'm not there, or is it on the coach? Uh, well, I think there um, is a combination there. Uh, there should be enough trust between the player and the medical department, mm -hmm. first of all. And then between the medical department and the head coach and the assistant coaches. And at some, because the, the nature of the injury, mm -hmm. as we know, and probably Hercules went through many, well, a few. Uh, when you pull a muscle, it's very difficult to say how many days it's right. going to take. But the player has to be uh, improved before he decided. Uh, but I would say that the player has to initiate that mm. and say, I feel comfortable enough to, to in Benzema's case, to try and see what happened. Yeah. Let me just ask him. It, it shouldn't be in order, but the key point here is uh, three days, three days before a game, I, my experience tells me that you have to uh, give a, a high um, incentive to the players in, and the training session should be uh, in, intense, yeah. They should be with intensity to find out exactly that, who is playing well and who, and who is at, at his best, physically speaking, and also mentally. Because once in the, in the third, you know, in, during the game and the national anthem, you know you are there because you're fit mentally, physically. So I would say that they have to get together and decide. And if I was the, the one... In charge, obviously, I would just get everybody together mm -hmm. and say, this this is the plan. I want to see you training. But I say you training now with a rondo. Mm. I want to see you training 100% and see see what it's like. That's the problem as a player. Don't give me that percentage. Don't give me that hope. Mm. You know, I'm going to lie to myself. You know, the player never wants to be the one to decide. If you're a player, you go with the mentality, I can do this. Even if you're saying, ah, there's, a, there's a slim chance, but there's still a chance. And that's the problem with players. You got to save them for themselves sometimes, Profe. Let me ask you: We've we've not had you on since the uh, the roster decision for Mexico. Mm. A few big announcements, a few big decisions for Tata Martino. One of the most criticized probably is leaving Diego Linus out of this roster. Uh, first, tell me, you, how did you see that decision of leaving a player like Diego Linus out of the 26-man roster? Because most people had him first off the bench. Uh, if the idea is to to play 4-3-3, as it appears to be then I can rely on, on this uh, um, presentation that we did. We, two weeks ago, we analyzed the teams that played that system uh -huh. and are doing well. So we analyzed Manchester City and Arsenal we, and Liverpool. 
and we also analyze Napoli. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, the common threads. The common threads. Thank you. Is to have a left-footed playing on the right side. Okay. So Arsenal has Saka, uh -huh. and he plays obviously for the English national team. Uh, Manchester City that originates that or renovates and renew that idea of playing that way with Guardiola. Had Mares, mm -hmm. sometimes Bernardo Silva, Foden. Foden. And uh, Liverpool has uh, Salah, and Napoli uh, has a Politano. Okay. And to be honest, that's probably the player that Irving Lozano lost his uh, starting, starting position. Mm -hmm. And Napoli is doing really well playing that system and trying to play from the back. And the idea is that that particular player can either take people one-on-one, -on -one, which I think uh, Alainez can do, but also and very important is that he descend and the, the, the opposite team, if he plays 4-3-T as well, then he will be the fourth midfielder and you can create numbers up. So that impact player for you was Linus? Of course. I, I think that, uh, and, and in my humble opinion, I think he, he is the, the most um, similar player to Carlitos Vela. 1v1. In 1v1 situation. Right. Yeah. And to be fair with Alvarado, I haven't seen him enough. So, but... Uh, I think that a line, uh, uh, um, he could be a great help for the team. Yeah, it feels like of all the, the guys they have kind of as options for that role, he's the only one that has that very specific right. profile. Let's go a little bit big picture kind of philo philosophical here because there's a conversation right now, I think probably with both teams, but definitely around the U.S., about getting your best players on the field, no matter what position it is, mm -hmm. right? You got, a, you got a great right winger, but you got two of them, then drop one to your right back. Um, you don't really have a great number nine, maybe take one of your other wingers and play mm -hmm. him as a false number nine. Where do you come down on that? Is it, is it more important to have your best 11 players on the field, or is it more important to focus on the opposition and the tactics and the matchup when you build your 11? To me, I would put the best 11 against the next, the next opposition. So I take in consideration who am I playing against, mm -hmm. and then if I have two, let's say, center forwards, and then I need somebody that is dominant in the air, I will go for that type of player. But if I'm going to play, I decide those, the two center backs are very slow and they like to put pressure on me, I will drop off and I will play counter-attacking football, I will go for the fastest player. Mm. And, and that's one thing that I will, I will just give you an example. I think, that now the champs with France has to make that decision. Mm -hmm. oh. Whether he goes with Giroud for the aerial game or at some point and he decides to drop off because he doesn't have uh, Kanté, Pogba, other yeah. players, he will drop off. Then I won't be surprised if he plays Mbappé as a forward, as a number nine, mm -hmm. and brings Dembélé on the left side. But if it is between them two, to play on that particular side, I will go for the, so, the best prof, player. Just, just so we're clear, uh, Mexico versus a team like Argentina, where they're clearly outmatched man for man, yeah. you would go for more of a team-oriented setup and how to hurt them. Right. Okay. And Perfect. then I would play that type of, of his... I would play one winger that is really quick, which is Irving Lozano. And on the other side, I would play somebody that can drop off right. and play more possession football, okay. which is lining. I got a good question for you. Uh, I don't know if you saw Luis Enrique, the head coach of Spain. Mm. He, he's got his own Twitch channel now. Do you know what Twitch is, Prophet? Oh Do you know what is this, you know what it is, well, right? Well, I don't, have, platform, a, I don't have a Twitter. I don't have. But it's his way of communicating. So, no, so but that's how you say Twitch. Twitch. Well, this one's a Twitch. So it's a platform where he can communicate with fans. So there's no more reporters. There's no more traditional media. It's him, his message to fans. Why are you sh Why are you putting your head down? <laughs> uh, well, Would you have I, done it? No, I wouldn't be able to do it. Why? Well, because I think the uh, there is a, this is a this is a, a beautiful sport that belongs to all of us, right? Including yourselves and the press and and. Any sport is, is covered by the press. Any basketball teams, I have never seen, well, I don't know, there's any head I've never seen a coach, coach do a Twitch. I, like I've no. never seen anybody do Twitch, per se. No, no, but oh. you, I, I, let me tell you why I think it's great. 
so so often we see coaches and we're told who they are by the press, right? Well, this new media that we're seeing nowadays, whether it's Twitch uh, YouTubers, whether it's we saw Messi do an interview when he got to PSG with Ibai, you know, this famous YouTuber, and, and this traditional press was so upset about it. I think it's great. We got to see another side of this high profile, whether it's athlete or coach. And listen, sometimes he has fun on Twitch, and it's different things besides just football. No te veo convencido, eh? No, 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 no. Hey, I don't I see don't, you're too convinced I, on I, this. I, I think I'm getting too old for <laughs> to do that. I, I know my, my, my boys, they, they, they have Twitter, well, they, they have their... Redes, social media. Yeah. Social media. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I definitely wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> Can I ask you here another philosophical question? Uh, you were known as somebody who was very versatile as a coach, right? Every time your team came out, it might be a different formation, different players. I think when we think of this Mexico under Tata Martino, we've seen very rigid tactics, right? Yeah. It's almost always a 4-3-3. Very predictable, right? Um, is it more important to be versatile as a manager or consistent? Well, to start with, even if you always play 4-3-3, there are ways to be flexible. Mm -hmm. For instance, you want to be more uh, cautious about going into the game, then you play two central midfielders. One that is more positional and the second one that can go forward. Now, if you think you have the upper hand on the game, then you switch and you can play just one central midfielder and two inside players, right? And the, the, the other thing that we can do is don't play with two wingers, out and out wingers or natural wingers. Play with one winger and one half winger, half midfield, like Bernardo Silva for Manchester City, or in this case, Linus. We saw. Did I answer that? Yes. Or? Yeah. We saw your Mexico play one way during World Cup qualifying, mm. in a completely different way versus Germany in the first game yeah. of the World Cup. Mm. How po how important is that if you can't compete man for man to have them not see the system coming? Well, that's a perfect example of uh, Sebastian's question. In the first half, uh, we wanted to explode the the fact that Germany will not respect us and they will probably say, no, this is not a very difficult game. I will put forward uh, uh, Kimmich and, and the left foot back. So we decide to play the fastest guy and that's why Miguel Lajun play on the right side. Miguel Lajun. As a winger. He's as not a, a winger. winger. Correct. And now in the midfield play with two central midfielders, uh, Hector Herrera and Andres Guardado and play Carlos Vela as a, as a playmaker. Right. Mm. So... I think there are many ways to do it, and it will be at the end of the day, will be his decision. But against Argentina, obviously, there has to be a way to add one man in midfield mm. because they have probably the best midfield in, in, in the whole uh, in, in the whole World Cup because they, they decide to play with three eights: the Paul, uh, Paredes. Uh, Los Chelcos, he plays there, or uh, Paredes, the Paul. Los Chelcos, yeah. Los yeah, he's not here, but he And also, if they decide to play Messi there, then. Correct. Paredes, probably. Paredes, then you don't know. I mean, there is no way you will play three against three because you will never get the ball. And right. I think the one thing that I, I, I would not expect from the Mexican national team is to add one of the. If you play with four in the back, one of the full backs into the middle like Manchester Cancelo, City does. Yeah, yeah. I don't see him doing that. All right, Profe, uh, we got to let you go, but there's a reason they call him Profe. No? We're going to leave Qatar with a PhD in <laughs> soccer thanks to this man. We got to send him over to the football picante set, but he will be back tomorrow with a full breakdown of Mexico against Poland. Juan Carlos Osorio with us here on Football Americas. All right, Herc, time to turn to today's action. Qatar and Ecuador in the first game of the World Cup earlier today at Albaid Stadium. It did not go well for the hosts. Ecuador scoring first a few minutes into the game. Of course, the goal was disallowed. After VAR found an offside. Ecuador would open the scoring in the 16th minute, though, via penalty from Ener Valencia on a spot kick he himself earned. And then Valencia would add a second in the 31st minute to put Ecuador up 2 to nothing. Uh, Qatar failing to register a single shot on goal in this game. All right, Herc, your, uh, your thoughts on the World Cup opener? 
Uh, a little underwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, like the level of play or Qatar specifically? Both. And also saw some empty stands. Hmm. As soon as Qatar went down that 2-0, about halftime, you saw I some mean, people leaving. That's a universal thing, right? You don't like how your team's doing, you bounce. It's a World Cup. Okay. I've never seen that in a World Cup. Have you? Have you ever seen people leaving early in a World Cup? Hard to remember. Hard to remember. I've never seen that. Set. And it wasn't like it was 5 nothing. It was 2 nothing. It you was know, 2 nothing. You nick a goal, you're right back in it. If you're, you're in if the you're game. Guitar, yeah. um, offsides for you? So, obviously, when they show you the replays uh, during the game, you're like, where is this offside? I've since seen a FIFA image where it looks like Michael Estrada is in on offside position. Offside but, position. Uh, it's offside. They were looking for it. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fine, fine. Yeah, they were, they were looking they for it Fine combed it, and they found it. Uh, uh, Ener Valencia, ex-Liga MX, uh, Pachuca, yep, campeón de goleo, yeah. golden boots. Tigres, at one point this man, Toronto, or I should say Tigres, was looking for Josie Altidore mm -hmm. and wanted to swap. Inter Valencia for Josie wow. Altidore. It would have been something that would have been great for all parties Who involved. Who nicks the deal? Toronto. Really? Deal. Toronto nicks the deal. Bet you they got some uh, some regrets about that. Of course, uh, Qatar Ecuador in Group A, which is should the U.S. advance the, the group that they would face in the round of 16. I don't think we need to talk about Qatar right now in that context. But from an Ecuador U.S. matchup, you see this Ecuador today. Are you worried? A little, yeah. and it's something that we thought would be a disadvantage for the U.S. men's national team being the youngest team in the World Cup. Well, guess who's the second youngest team? Ecuador. Ecuador. And look what they did. That was a very dominant performance against a Qatar team that many of us thought would get out of this group. Based on kind of what? Like their Gold Cup performance? Well, based their on their reason. overall performance, not only Gold Cup, but just in general, sure. uh, leading up to this tournament. That's and also, success in the Asian Cup, yeah. they're, they're the host country. That's a huge boost. Yeah. And, and it wasn't the case. So there it is, uh, Qatar falling by a final score of 2-0 against Ecuador in the World Cup opener here in Qatar. All right, uh, let's get to some Major League Soccer-related news, Hercule. Actually, from a, a couple days ago, Argentina adding Atlanta United's Thiago Almada to the squad as an injury replacement for Joaquin Correa. Almada, who is just 21 years old, is now the 37th MLS player rostered at this World Cup. Of course, a record for the league. Major League Soccer also the league with the most World Cup players outside the Big Five in Europe. Herc, is this something, nothing, or everything for Major League Soccer? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This specific stat? Yes. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Come on. Come on. Your league combines two countries, and both countries are in the World Cup, so it's 11 on one side, 9 on the other. It's 20 players at your 37, Seb. Okay. Do you know who's behind Major League Soccer? Go ahead and name them. Qatar and Saudi Arabia. Do you want to do something, nothing, or everything for them as yep. well? It's a fair point. Let me tell you this. Okay. If you take out the Canadian players, the 11, and you... What? Why do you hate Canada no, so no. much? No, no. And you take out the U.S., right? Because MLS is that... That's 17. That, is that weird league? It's 11 and 9. That's 20, right? What? 11 and 9 is 20. No, no. That you're left with 17 is what right. I'm saying. So, Major Math. League Soccer is a Hard. weird league, yes. right, that combines two countries. So, let's count all those 20 players out. Let's just leave the 17. If you take those 17, Major League Soccer is not sixth in the world, but they only dropped to eight. Okay. I mean, that's significant for MLS, isn't it? I guess. I mean, I'm not willing to say it's everything, because if it was I mean, everything... I, I guess because they get the $10,000 a day that their players are here during the World Cup. That if that's what, well, that, doesn't that doesn't hurt. hurt. But that's, that doesn't cover your salary. No, but easy, steady, steady. <laughs> uh, so it can't be everything, because if it was everything right, then we would be saying, like... MLS is the sixth best league in the world because they have the six most players in the World Cup. They're not a top ten. Let league. me tell you, that's fine. It, it is. It is a very big something though. And let me point to two specific okay, go ahead. examples. Go ahead. Uh, Diago Almada, the guy we just talked about, and yes. Facundo Torres, right? Yes. Two young players. There you go. Who have played Uruguay, their way Argentina. into into not 
average CONMEBOL teams, but I think countries and national teams that we would say are elite in CONMEBOL. I have Uruguay winning the group. And Argentina. I have Argentina winning the group. That was not happening five, ten years ago, that young players would come to Major League Soccer it was from a death CONMEBOL. Sentence. It was a death sentence for exactly. everybody. Exactly. It was a death sentence for, for David Beckham. 100%. I remember to talk, uh, talking to guys from South America who said they felt like they weren't being considered specifically because they were in Major League Soccer. So the fact that a country like Argentina is saying, oh, you're doing well in Major League Soccer, and really, that's what's catapulted you into the national team consideration, that is something. That is definitely a development that wasn't the case five, ten years ago. Sure. you got to give me something. I'll give you something. Okay. I'll give you something. More of an interesting stat is that is where they're playing. Right. And if this could be random and coincidence, but there is a MLS player in every single group of this World Cup. That's, I mean, that's, again, coincidence, perhaps, but also a sign of the growth of Major League Soccer. They're putting money into, into getting these players, and those players are now... I'll concede, Don. There it is. Oh, give me the keystone. What? Sorry, what? Where? Did you slip in a Don Garber? Are you, are you calling me an MLS shill here on, uh, uh, on Football Americas? You would, said it, not me. That would be a, uh, a first for Sebi Salazar. All right. One of the things that we've Third been doing... Third person uh, One of the things that we've been doing throughout our, our World Cup stay here in Qatar is we've been leaning on our audience a little bit, right? Uh, via Twitter, asking for uh, some questions from you guys. So let's check the mentions now uh, and see what y'all have come up with his, uh, via Twitter. First one from Rose Danny. With MLS historically one of the busier leagues during the winter transfer window, do they stand to benefit the most from a young North and South American standouts in Qatar? Herc, what do you say? Uh, this is a tough one. Because these two standouts, for example, in South America, mm -hmm. they were specifically talking about Uruguay and Argentina. Mm -hmm. Younger guys. So it's not that much more difficult to get yourself going again. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe Diago Almada was at the dentist when he found out. You know, he mm -hmm. could have been playing a pickup game, yep. you know, or, or whatever. So it's easier. Um, but it's better for these South Americans if they were already in season. Really? And I'll use Mexico as, a, as an example. Santiago Jimenez gets left off. He was in form in season. So now you have Raul Jimenez, who was in season but mm -hmm. injured, so he's not in form. You have Rogelio Funes Mori, who was injured, then finished the season that ended three and a half weeks ago. And you have Henry Martin, that was in form but ended the season three and a half weeks ago. So that form is gone. you got to start off again. So will it... Uh, I don't think so. But I think because they're young enough, these players, uh, and their team, I mean, if they get on the field, mm -hmm. I, I think they can show something. What about from a buying standpoint? Like Major League Soccer is a league. Obviously, this window is the beginning of your season, right? So you're building your team. Most of the European leagues, they're mid-season. Uh, do you think if there's a star young player that maybe is an attractive player for a Major League Soccer team, they might have a leg up, not only because of the timing, but also, Herc, because of what we've seen with guys like Torres and Almada? Sure. And yeah. I think Miguel Almiron is probably a, a big um, push in that direction. Right, right. After everything he's done, you're going to be like, well, we can take some chances on these South Americans that have come out of Major League Soccer. Because look at Miguel Almiron. Look how well he's done. It's always a plus. So, yeah, maybe. I think it's also worth noting with the Apple deal coming up, like Major League Soccer needs subscriptions. So if stars are born at the World Cup and you can bring one into your league, into your product, that could be very beneficial. You may bring one back. Yes, that's right. You don't want right. Facundo Torres has a great World Cup. Almada has a great World Cup. Maybe you lose those guys too. So yeah. uh, I guess it cuts both ways. All right, next question here. What, Herc, did you like most slash least about the Olympic-style opening ceremonies before the first game? Do you think it's a good add to the tournament or not? This from uh, Doran Stuckey. Uh, what did I like most? I like most that they brought back the old mascots. I thought that was Yes, cool. yes. That was great. Yeah, yes, uh, Naranjita, the guy from 82. Yeah, Pique was there, the yeah. Chile. I know you like that one. I missed, I missed Stryker. Did, was Stryker there? I didn't see Stryker. I didn't see Stryker. Yeah, that's, that's an opportunity lost. Yeah. I'm a, not saying he wasn't there. I that creepy ghost thing was there. Laib, uh, dude, are you kidding me? That's the cutest thing ever. You don't like Laib? What did you just say? Laib. The cutest thing ever? The cutest thing ever, yeah. <laughs> He's a smiley little guy, flies around. This looks like a stingray, like a pale stingray. <laughs> All right, uh, and also the, the one thing I didn't—I thought was just weird—leading uh, up into the Morgan Freeman thing was the the womb. That was weird. Yeah, that was yeah. a little strange. Just generally, it was a little strange. It was so long, you know. Yeah. Like I think, uh, you know, the Come honest, they don't gotta sell me on Qatar. I know no. why I'm here. They, 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 I don't need a selling for Qatar. They kicked off local time at 7 p.m. 
and at like 5.30, it was starting. So as it's getting close to 6 p.m., I'm like, oh, they got to wrap this up I know. to finish the game. No, 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 no. Oh, they so had going. another hour yeah. to go. Interesting you mentioned Morgan Freeman because I think he was involved in the U.S. bid, right, bid, way back yeah. in, the, in 2010. He was with, you could see pictures of him and Sunil when, yeah, when, when they lost when the they bid. Lost the bid. To yeah, Bill Clinton Qatar, was there, right. lost to Qatar, yeah. and everything that entailed <laughs> that bid, losing to Qatar. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't big on the opening ceremonies, uh, for what it's worth. Final question here. A crystal Definitely wants no, to know. No uh, Diana Ross, I'll tell you that. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, 94. Special, special. Who is that? Uh, Germany and Bolivia, I believe, is the opener. That's right. Uh, in Chicago. That penalty kick by her was amazing. It's your style. <laughs> YouTube that uh, if you, if you want to know Diana Ross's skills and or mine. Crystal asks, my dad is claiming, quote, Mexico doesn't even have a team. Uh, okay, Mexico tiene equipo, I guess. Uh, what's your take, Kirk? Is this real life? Like, are we talking about the actual soccer team or are we talking about the, the representation? Because they're, they're two different things. Uh, it, talking about the team, I guess. Okay, I, I guess the team is struggling. I guess there's not a lot, yeah. of, not a lot of fanfare or goodwill by the no. fans. I get it. But it's the same thing every four years. What I will say is the little fan base I have mm -hmm. seen here in Mexico, a lot of it has been Mexican. Yes. And, and, oh, always they travel well, and but in they have Russia, traveled here. Listen, I, I, I played in the World Cup, and let me tell you what my World Cup experience was like. It was... Hotel room, in your box, that's mm -hmm. all you see. Team bus, stadium, and back. You don't get to experience the World Cup. You don't get to see the country. You don't get to see the cities. You don't get to see the sights, see the people. You're so in this little bubble, that's all you notice. And the only time you feel it's World Cup is when you're in that game day vibe, when you're in that game day atmosphere. My second World Cup now as a pundit, my first was Russia. You saw a lot of fans, and they were easy to identify. You saw Brazil, mm -hmm. yellow jerseys, easy to identify. You saw Peru after 36 years, easy to identify. White jersey, red strip, right? Mm -hmm. Easy to identify. The Mexican fan base was the easiest to identify, and they came in green jerseys, red jerseys, pink jerseys, white jerseys, sombreros, mm -hmm. dressed as charros, Chavo del Ocho, Aztec warrior, Aztec princess. They were dressed in anything you can think of Mexican, and you knew it was the Mexicans. It's something to be seen. So you pass off the negativity, you know, that Crystal's dad has. It's kind of the every four-year negativity uh, around Mexico. I think it's a little bit different this year because there's some really big names that have been left out. And okay. I think that's not always been the case with this team. No? Cuauhtémoc Blanco got, le Blanco got left it's a, out. It's a great example in 2006, 2002, Claudio Suarez. There, there are certain, but, I mean, we're talking guys like not just left out, but guys who have asked out in the case of Carlos Vela, right? There, there are multiple big names missing here, yeah? Oh, Carlos was not the first World Cup he, uh, he asked out. Okay, but still, I think that contributes to the negativity. No, I do the, think it's the more than it's The negativity, in it's, and it's strange because... Um, only once have they gone through World Cup qualifying caminando, walking, as they say, and that was with Juan Carlos Osorio, right? Mm -hmm. That was the only time. Every other time, it's every four years, oh, why are we even going? Mm -hmm. Oh, this team, et cetera, et cetera. And they exceed expectations and get out of the group and fall short of that fifth game. It's the same thing over, but this time, it's not that they didn't do well in World Cup qualifying. It's the way they didn't do well, the way they didn't perform at El Estadio Azteca, specifically in front of those people, in front of their people. It's the way that Hector Herrera and certain members of this national team, and now Tata Martino too, have almost snapped back at the general public, mm. at the press. It's that that has changed, that has people feeling uneasy about this team. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, there's kind of one more thing that I want to get your opinion on. Okay. Uh, because we talked to Juan Carlos Osorio about, uh, about what Luis Enrique is doing on Twitch. Um, now, when you're live on Twitch, you, you can make mistakes. Did you hear what Luis Enrique did? No. He said Costa Rica was a South American team. Of course, you're well-versed in geography. You know they're a Central American team. Some of the players have responded. Francisco Calvo, one of them. Do you think that could be bulletin board material for Costa Rica? Absolutely. And as a player, you hang on to mm -hmm. anything that can motivate you. Anything that can be considered bulletin board material, you will hang on to it. We saw Christian Pulisic, you know, do the man in the mirror yeah. thing. And he was talking about MLS. Christian Pulisic never played in MLS. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so anything you can, Memo Cho was talking about MLS. So anything you can do to get yourself going, to hang on to it, you will find... And this is something that uh, Costa Rica will rally around, whether we think it's, it's significant or not, small or big, they will rally around it. Uh, the quote from Calvo specifically, the coach should be well-educated and know who he's playing against. So how big bulletin board material it'll be, 
we'll wait and see, but it's definitely can't wait for uh, the next Twitch. Made its way into the uh, Costa Rican locker room. All right, that's all the time that we've got for this edition of Football Americas. But because it is the World Cup, we will be back not in 72 hours, sir. In 24 hours, you ready to do it again? This time, breaking down USA and Wales. We've literally been waiting this for this for years. Let's go. We will. Uh, we'll be back. We'll have full reaction after USA and Wales uh, open up their World Cup tournaments tomorrow. We'll also be looking ahead to Mexico against Poland, which of course kicks off on Tuesday. These the images from Sukwaki and from Sukwaki, the Central Market. What do they to call that city beefing? center in Doha? The Stinger. We gotta find the name of that. A beautiful skyline. Our backdrop here on Football Americas. He's Herc, I'm Seb. We'll see you tomorrow live on ESPN Plus, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.